0: Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round. Of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season then of course I got to pick the coaches brains about some big picture topics I want to talk about the super regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all sweet 16 matches are played at one location format what do these coaches prefer still very early in the exercise of determining if the super regional is worthwhile but always fun to hear the coaches initial reactions and then of course we'll try to preview all of these sweet 16 matches I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches, what is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro-outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our crack racket shows, a man you know best as the head coach of the Texas men's tennis team. Welcome back to the show, Coach Bruce Burke. Coach, welcome.
1: How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Happy to be here and
0: happy to be with you. I appreciate you being back. And obviously you are making your triumphant return back to Ann Arbor this week. The Texas men's tennis team into another NCAA round of 16, this time in a 4-0 fashion over both Idaho and uh, LSU. Let's start with last weekend's play. You know, again looking at your text team and we'll get into all of this. Have you guys played a single match healthy, fully healthy since the start of February? That's maybe part two of the discussion, but let's just start with, again, 4-0 victories in your first two matches. What do you think about the guys performed last weekend?
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. I think we've been pretty consistent um, for the last month or two with the way we're playing and with the way we're competing. So I was pretty happy with it. Guys, um, showed up and gave Idaho good respect and just played hard and tried to play as well as they can and compete as well as they can. And they did that. And then against uh, LSU, we found ourselves in some trouble in the doubles we were down breaks in each of the three um, matches, uh, I think double break on court two. And somehow we found a way to get it done at the end and get the doubles point. And then um, won six first sets, but then um, there was a, I don't know if it was our letdown or they picked it up. I'm not really sure, but we were in some we were in some good matches. So it's 4-0, but it wasn't. I would not say it was an easy 4-0. It took us a while to get that first singles point on the
0: board. Yeah, no, I mean again, LSU, the depth that they have, a lot of experience as well. A four-o victory in name only. That said, you bring up the doubles point. I wanna start there. And obviously, again, whether it be injury issues or just your desire to experiment, you guys have played something like fifteen different doubles pairings this season. And at the number three spot yesterday uh on Saturday, excuse me, you guys go with Chi Chi Huang, Ishan Tuluri. Talk to me about that pairing and ultimately, obviously, that pairing able to come back, earn that 7 5 victory. How are you feeling about your doubles pairings and what has led to all of that experimentation?
1: I think the experimenting is mostly injury yeah. this year. I think that's probably 90% of it because, I mean, we're pretty, I think we're fairly clear on, we've been fairly clear on what our doubles team should be. You know, it should be Richie and Cleve, it should be Seaman mm-hmm. Elliott. And it should be Chi-Chi and someone. Yeah. And so there was some there was some experimenting with that. You know, we had Pierre in there and early in the year. We had we had uh, Mike in there a lot, and that, that was that was starting to get pretty established. But then he got hurt. Pierre got hurt. Um, we tried Evan in there for a while. We thought he played pretty well for a while. But then we just started noticing Ishan in practice. He's got really natural double skills and playing better and better. And, and eventually, I said, okay, let's give him a shot. And then he stepped right in and played very well. They've won, I think they're th- either three and one and four, or four and one. And the, the one loss was to Baylor, having had three match points. So that's worked pretty well. It feels odd to have Micah and Pierre not in the doubles lineup, but due to injury and Ishan's improved play, that's kind of where we are right now. Mm-hmm.
0: And not to diminish what Ishan and Chi-Chi have done, but you bring up Mike and Pierre, who obviously are dealing with those injury issues. Is the doubles line of fluid for the rest of this NCAA tournament? If you feel those guys are healthy, would you again is a switch something you still have in mind?
1: Uh, it's possible, yeah. Um, but I think we've gotten we've also gotten to a point where we are comfortable with Ishan in there. Um, nobody really. Probably not too many people in college tennis know much about him, but the guy's a phenomenal athlete. Maybe, maybe the best athlete on our team, certainly one of them. And he's got national double skills. He played doubles with Siem. They grew up together in the juniors. And I think they got to the finals of Kalamazoo in the 16s one year. Mm-hmm. That's where I first saw him. So, yeah, it's definitely possible that Mike could get back in there. I think it's less possible that Pierre could get back in there. Um, I, but uh, But it's also possible that we see – chichi and ishan out
0: there yeah no i mean again with all of that in mind you talk about the health issues and i want to talk about some individuals of course on your team but big picture i was there in seattle and you know i was at the match where you guys knock off florida in that first round of the national indoors The last time by the way that the florida men's team has lost a match in that match You played what I will refer to as, you know, the healthy six starters in that, you know, Elliot, Pierre, Richard, CM, Cleve, and Micah all able to play in that match. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they've all played a match together perhaps since that national indoors moment. Maybe one, maybe two sprinkled in throughout, but the reason I bring that up Talk to me about this season. What it's been like for you, Coach, the ups and downs and just dealing with all of the injuries that seem to keep
1: popping up. Yeah, on. I think you're right about that. And um I d I don't know. We might have like you said, it might have been once or twice that we've had any that everyone, but sometimes they're playing diminished. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes uh, you know, and Elliot's still, as I say, sometimes playing with one hand behind, tight behind his back. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, so he he clearly would have been our number one player this year. He's back at number one now, because um, he's kind of built his game up again. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been frustrating to have to think about it so much. You know, I guess it's also been satisfying that we've been able to maintain a pretty competitive level and enter the tournament as the 12th seed and um, do pretty well. I think considering considering all that i mean we're not the only team that's got injuries or is playing with some pain but i think we've had a lot you know we've had it's not just been one guy there's been many multiple matches where we've had two or even three guys or two and a half guys out you know if you count elliott so yeah it's been frustrating but also satisfying i guess to see the guys grow and you know it's not easy the the depth is so good in college tennis it's not easy to play without a full squad, you saw what happened to Georgia. I'm sure Florida State played great and earned that win, but they were without McCormick and and then they they lost, um, you know, but I, I know that Florida State had a lot to do with that, too. I'm sure. And then, you know, Tennessee had their struggles when they were out without the one guy um, Monday earlier in the year. So, you know, we've been doing it without several. Um, Again, and I realize we're not the only ones, but that's so that's been frustrating but also satisfying to see the guys grow and, and learn how to play with some of that stuff or mm-hmm. or step up for some events for some guys that weren't in the lineup before.
0: Yeah, and you know talent is an abstract concept and to each, you know, talent is in the eye of the beholder. That said, you you were obviously head coach of the 2019 National Championship winning team and you've been coach of some, uh, uh, been on the coaching staff of some outstanding teams throughout your tenure. That said, I mean, on paper, this Texas team this year, according to us pundits has as much talent you know one through eight one through nine as any roster in the country and as any team you're going to see on a year by year basis and with that in mind you know again you talk about the frustrations of having to talk about the injuries so frequently i'm curious just for you personally has this been your most difficult year of coaching just simply because it feels like you always have to come up with these different solutions on the fly
1: I don't think it's been my most difficult year of coaching um, because we have one thing we do have is we have we have good tennis players, but we have good guys and all our coaches, all coaches like their teams or most coaches like their teams. But we've got good guys with good character who are coachable and uh, we don't have any side issues or drama, nothing of substance anyway. So that when you have those kind of issues on a team that makes for the most challenging years and we don't have that so it's been it's been challenging you know, to figure out who's going to be at practice today, who can do what. But in those, in those, in that respect, it's challenging and difficult. But I definitely would not say it's my most difficult year.
0: Yeah, I would imagine the most difficult things involve Austin Rap and making sure he's well fed. You're <laughs> like, other than that, we're we're good to go. But you talk about right. character, and again, through all this turmoil, through all of these different issues, I think the character of some of your team members has particularly shined through. And the guy I want to start with is Elliott, who, as you mentioned, has been playing the entire season with one wrist and at the National Indoors, could not hit through the backhand at all, had to slice everything. And, you know, you could see the struggles that he was going through mentally of trying to figure out how all of that worked and yet physically and mentally just continued to fight through it all. I mean, talk to me about the efforts made by Elliot this season, what him playing through it all has meant to your team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I do think a lot of guys probably of his level, and especially coming off the great um, summer that he had probably would hesitate to put himself out there for the team. Um, and take start taking losses that Mm -hmm. you know maybe to players that he might not ordinarily lose to and make himself vulnerable basically and he did that and at first he didn't really know what his level was and and we didn't really know we played Arizona in one of those you know first matches and you know he couldn't he didn't really know what to do and and indoors he maybe was starting to do a little better but he still felt pretty vulnerable and he's just you know, we didn't know if he should be in the lineup at first, you know, he said, okay, if you want, I'll play if you want me to, but I feel like I need to start beating our number six guys in practice before I can do that. And, and so my goal was to get him to six at first. That's what we were trying to do. It's like, look, I can only move you down one spot at a time, but we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll do it. We'll try to get you down there. And then the the indoors, we had to play, he had to stay in that one spot, you know, you couldn't move down. And then we saw he, he was pretty competitive and, he kind of settled in at four, and then he started. Then all of a sudden, he started winning, and then we started. After a while, we started moving him back up, and basically, he just figured out how to play. His forehands got better, his slice improved, and and uh, mentally, he just became really strong. Um, and so, his character to put himself out there and do whatever we felt we needed he needed to do for the team is pretty impressive. And then, same thing in doubles. He wasn't in the doubles lineup. Um, you know, I he he. We didn't know if he could play without being able to hit over a backhand return. Mm -hmm. And he made some adjustments and here he is. Now they're back at number one.
0: And I I am curious, again, this is a complete nerd question, but, you know, your coaching career began back in 1988 as the Haverford College assistant women's coach. And I'm going to imagine back in 1988, the backhand slice was more in fashion than perhaps it is now from a complete tennis nerd perspective. Has it been fun to coach that side of Elliot? And then, you know, obviously, I'm sure you're like, it would be nice if you had two wrists, but to be like, hey, this is how you use the backhand block yeah. return. What's that been like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely, you know, um, you know, he, he's a pretty all around player. His coach was great with him and gave him all the skills, but, you know, there's a few skills that he, that were probably underused or, or infrequently used, probably not underused, but he has it. He has the technique to do that, to, to chip it down at somebody's feet. And then to, and the same look to lob it over, you know, the net person's head and it actually works. Okay. And then to, 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 to run around and get it for him when you can and mix things up. And so, yeah, that has been fun. Um, it takes him a while to kind of feel that, you know, that those options are actually there for him. Sometimes Mm -hmm. at first it, you know, he didn't necessarily believe that that could be a viable option, but, um, but now I think he does and and he's pretty good at it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now it's, he, to your point he is pretty good at it like it, it's it's incredible to see and you know again his ability to find four hands and you know again work his feet around the court knowing exactly how he's going to be targeted it has been one of my favorite chess matches to tune into on a week-in, week out ba- basis is just how does Elliot problem solve his way uh to another victory you know obviously that's been one part of the uh, equation and i again w- when you look at your team this season depth is the word that comes to mind. And, you know, in terms of the pathway to four points, right, we talk match calculus a lot here at Cracked Rackets. It's been a different match calculus for you guys just about every match. Is that a burden or a blessing for you as a coach?
1: Uh, I think especially in a year like this, it's a it's a uh, blessing. You know, <laughs> that We have different ways to get there, and we don't feel like we're putting any spot on the court that, um, you know, really can't get it done. You know, our records probably don't, you know, our individual records probably don't look as, as good as some of the other teams that are still alive in the tournament. But you know, we've also played like a lot of teams, we've played a really, really tough schedule. We played a ton of teams in the top five. Um, so I think that's you know, we we don't we typically when we play those teams, if we if we were to find a way to win, it's not gonna be a you know a six-one win or something like that. So you know, we take some losses individually, but I still have confidence that. You know, any spot that we have on the court has a a good chance to get it done.
0: With that in mind, is there a victory this season that comes to your mind when you think about, again, maybe it was an inflection point for your team or a match where you just, you know, the guys began to believe in everything the coaches have been preaching. What would that match be for you
1: guys? I mean, the Florida match is the low-hanging fruit. Um, You know, so I'll grab that that fruit. But (laughs) also another one that's less obvious would be the Texas A&M match. Interesting. Because at that point we, that was on the road. um, And at that point we were probably, that's probably the low point of where we were health wise. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I felt like we were starting to take some losses Mm -hmm. and I felt like the team could go either way. Like it could possibly break down. You know, I was getting worried about the 500 rule starting to think about adding a few matches and we had a horrible start in, in doubles. They played really well, but I thought we had a poor start and then we were in some trouble. Um, And we were playing that match. Ours, we were playing without, I knew that uh, that Pierre was out and Cleve was out and they were going to be out for a while. Both of them. It didn't look like they were coming back anytime soon. So two starters out losing the doubles in some holes in singles Um, on the road at A&M, and it just kind of felt like it could go either way at that moment. And, you know, because we had coming up, we had A&M on the road. We had Ohio State at home. We had USC on the road and Pepperdine on the road all in a row without two starters. So I was concerned, and especially when we got in a hole like that. um, But somehow they kind of – and Micah Braswell, it ended up being a 4-3 win – it wasn't a dual match point at the time, but Michael was down match point at number one singles against Schechter. and he he saved it and won the match, and we won the match. And uh, that's when we started to – I think that's when it started to go the other way. And, uh, we, and we played Ohio State at home next without those two guys, and obviously they're super good, and and uh, that was a 4-3 loss. Came down to the last match with CM – and then we had a dramatic 4 3 win against USC and another dramatic win against Pepperdine. So I think that AM match was the was possibly a turning point for us.
0: You talk about that stretch, 4-3 loss at Georgia, 4-3 win at A&M, 4-3 right, the loss Georgia, yeah. Yeah, t- against Ohio State, 4-3 win at USC. In that moment, I remember, and we were on the call for that AM match where you guys dropped doubles in four first sets. But in that moment, that four-match sequence, all I could think is Texas is back. I was like, there we go. There's the 4-3 drama we've all grown accustomed to. And, you know, again, through all of that, I know there's still more season to be played, but if you were to name a team MVP this year for the Texas roster with all of, again, the trials and tribulations, who would that be for you
1: all? Um, good question. I'd probably have to go with Elliot. Okay. Um, I probably would. I mean, Mike has had Mike has really stepped up and had a great record of number one singles and, and won some big matches and doubles too. Um, and so he he stepped up, and we've had plenty of guys that did really well. But if I had to choose, I'd say Elliot, just because I feel like what he's done and the way he's done it has really saved us in some ways. Because if had had he made another choice or not been willing to grow and learn and adjust, um, we would be probably not sitting here right now.
0: Does that risk require surgery? Like, will that be an off-season thing?
1: Uh... I don't know. I don't think he knows. Okay. Um, Ignorance, hopefully not, bliss, hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's been some improvement lately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. um, I'll take that as a, a good sign. Sometimes these things take a long time. I just, in my experience, these wrists just tend to nag mm-hmm. and just like, it may not always be that serious. It may not be a tear, but they just, it's tough to shake them. And sometimes it can take a long time. We've had, unfortunately, we've had several guys with that this year. I think it's just a fluke. I mean, another guy that you don't talk about because he wasn't an obvious starter was Nevin Aramilli. He's been out the whole year. He's practicing now. Well, but you know, he, cause he was a viable option. There was a point early in the year when Chichi was coming back from surgery uh-huh. and uh, Evan was doing okay. It wasn't clear who was going to be, Um, with with somebody out it wasn't clear who was gonna be that first one in and i I had it as a dead even race between chichi nevin and and uh chichi nevin and evan and and evan believe it or not because you know nevin's really just like quietly slowly but surely gotten better and when he's played he's played well um but he has you know he had he ended up having an injury that was a little more serious so he was no longer an option so really we you know we we were without him as well as an option.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, again, this has been a theme for you all this season with that in mind, you mentioned Micah, would he be the candidate for most improved player? Because to your point, watching him at the number one spot, particularly at that national indoors, he was as good as any player in the country. And he's always had weapons, but obviously year two for him in college, seems things seem to have slowed down for him. Who would you, you know, again, maybe it's not yeah. Micah, but who would you talk about there? For yeah, players? he's definitely, he
1: would definitely be a candidate, although I think it's more been a most improved since, he first got here because by the end of last year, he was playing awfully well also. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'd say, I'd say Micah for sure. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, um, I, he'd probably get my vote as most improved.
0: Yeah, it, just, it does feel like, again, he's always had the weapons, but in your mind, and it does go back to last season, what has made, I mean, again, what has allowed him to make this leap into where now, You know, if you're making a list of the 10 best players in college tennis, it's not a valid list unless he's on it.
1: I think the biggest, he's improved, he's improved some areas of his game. Like his net game has improved, his, his serve intelligence, the way he's serving a little smarter has improved. But I think most importantly, just um, the mental game has um, improved and become a little more stable. You know, sure. because uh, that's probably the best way I would summarize it. And, yeah. and I think he really wants to be good and he's a great listener and he he's really serious about being good. So he tries as hard as he can, not just physically, but he's open. Um, he's really open to feedback and he's tough on himself in a good way because he holds himself to a pretty high standard. So I say the biggest area of improvement is probably his stability mentally. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, again, with all of that in mind, I do want to look uh, ahead towards this Sweet 16. And um, obviously, you guys are playing here in Ann Arbor, in Michigan. Let's just start big picture. Super regional or the Sweet 16 all at one site format? Which do you prefer?
1: I'd say given the fact that men and women are together, Mm -hmm. I'd say super regional. Okay. Um, for For some of the reasons that you probably already talked about, you know, like atmosphere on that sweet 16 match. So you're not playing at an odd time with nobody there. Um, You know, but I do really like the idea of advancing to the final site and having all all those 16 teams at the same site. I think it just became a little unfeasible once the decision was made to combine men and women at the same site.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, people talk about the massive dinner that used to happen with all the teams and all the players and coaches. And yeah, that does sound enjoyable. At the same time, it's crazy to think this is only the second year we've done the Super Regional, but it's like, yeah, let's give it year four year five, year six, and then maybe we'll start accumulating the data. Um, with that in mind, obviously you take on a University of Michigan team this weekend that is the number five seed and has had all sorts of successes throughout the year. What's it going to take from your guys uh, to ultimately get over the hump and continue to advance in this tournament?
1: Uh, boy, well, we're going to have to play well. I know that, and that's a given, and I think we're going to have to be really strong mentally and resilient and um because it's if we were to get the win i know it wouldn't be easy <laughs> you know we're no they're not giving us anything you know they do a great job of um you know playing together as a team and being super positive and they've got some big guys with weapons they play good doubles so it's going to take a really good effort uh, some good tennis you know i never want to say it's going to take our absolute best tennis but it will have to play well and most importantly we're going to have to be tough and resilient because i know they will be
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun match. I I have to ask the question, even if you may not want to give me the answer. Are we going to see Micah? Are we going to see a healthy one through, uh, relatively healthy one through six, Texas?
1: I think that there is a better chance that you'll see Micah. <laughs> okay. In all our players this week than there was last week.
0: Okay, that's right. That ruins a week healthier. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I will take. Yeah, it. I mean
1: they're. Uh, yeah, we're in a better place now than we were then, with with respect to Micah. But I still, you know, I still can't tell you for sure because I don't know for sure what's going to happen. But um, we are doing better. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, with that in mind, again, you're back in Ann Arbor, first time since uh, obviously you left Michigan. Zingerman's, overrated, underrated, properly rated. Properly. Yeah, I agree. Is that like a team trip? It's like, hey, guys, just you Maybe. know, we're doing this. Maybe.
1: Yeah. but I I don't really. Honestly, yeah, it's possible. It's possible we could head over there today, but mm-hmm. just because just, yeah, uh, nothing to do with nostalgia or anything yeah. like that. I just, some of these guys still have exams today, honestly. So gotcha. I, it's going to, we have a lot to do aside from just the practice. So it's going to be about efficiency and business and getting, doing the best we can to get ready. So I'm not going to go on a sentimental journey.
0: Yeah, well, all I'm saying is if you want to do that, I won't object. So, you know, do what you have to do, Coach. But as always, Coach Burke, I appreciate you taking the time this morning to chat. And uh, I'm looking forward to being at this match on Saturday. I will say for whatever it's worth, you neutralize Michigan's biggest fan because, like, I can't go and cheer against you guys. Like, I just, it won't won't feel kosher. Um, And so for whatever that's worth, obviously, very much looking forward to seeing you all compete this weekend and appreciate you taking the time, as always, to come on the show. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Crack Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you listeners, that will be our goal as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westhoff on the ones and twos. He has a job to do this week, makes all of this content possible so shout out to him shout out to our friends at swing vision as well again learn more about the swing vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show with all of that said for our fantastic guest our super producer daniel westoff our friends at swing vision from all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone